We are back in the book of Acts. We've been making our way through it. We took a little time off for, uh, well, for the holidays and then for giving month. And here we are. We're back again in the book of Acts. We left off in Acts chapter 15, if you recall. We spent several weeks discussing the, the, the matter that rose up, the, the strife that came up because of the false teaching that was being taught in the churches and the Gentile churches. These Judaizers came in and they told these Gentiles, in essence, that unless you become Jewish, you proselytize yourselves, you become circumcised and you follow all the law of Moses, you're not a real Christian and you're probably not saved. And so obviously this caused conflict and it caused problems in the church And the Gentiles were very much upset by that teaching. And so Paul and Barnabas argued in favor of the Gentiles, and they went all the way back to Jerusalem, talked these things over with the church in Jerusalem, with the apostles and the church leaders in Jerusalem. And the last time we were together, we saw how they concluded the whole matter by saying, no, those things are not necessary for salvation. We're saved by faith through grace alone. Nothing else. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to become Jewish in order to be saved. You just need to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so then, the delegation with Paul and Barnabas and some others from that Jewish church, the church in Jerusalem, went out and started to spread the news uh, with this letter that they'd received from the church there saying uh, what things... uh, they had discussed and what they had decided there. So they went to the church in Antioch. They delivered the church that letter. The church was very much encouraged by that. And we left Paul and Barnabas in Antioch the last time we were together in this passage. And so we're going to pick up together in Acts chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 36, and we're going to read down through chapter 16, verse 5. So follow along with me. As I read, and some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them. They departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed, but his father was a Greek which was well reported of the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him, Timotheus, would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Well, this passage has a lot going on in it. And the first thing that we come across here in verse 36 and 37 and 38 is a disagreement. 
a disagreement. It says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. We see, first of all, the call of the ministry. Paul and Barnabas are there at Antioch. And Paul was well acquainted with his calling. Paul was well acquainted with his calling. You remember how things started for him. He saw Christ on the road to Damascus, and, the, and Christ said that he would be uh, sent to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He had received that calling there when he was saved there on the road to Damascus. Not only that, but several years prior in that very same church, the Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work, and sent them out as missionaries. He had been called out by the Spirit of God to be a missionary, to go abroad and preach the gospel in every city. He was called by Christ. He was called out by the Spirit of Christ, and he was not content to stay there in Antioch in that church. Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let us go again. We need to get back on the road. We need to get busy again doing these things. He had a sense of the urgency of the ministry. You know, Antioch was a thriving church. It was a good church. It was full of Christian leaders and teachers. If you look back in your Bibles there in verse 35, it says, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. This church was blessed with a lot of good Bible teaching and preaching. It was a good church. It was a thriving church. It was a healthy church, but Paul wasn't needed there. They had plenty of teachers. They had plenty of preachers. And Paul thinks to himself, there's not any work really to do here. We need to go again to the work which we've been called to. All the work was done in Antioch. The church was thriving. The church was growing. The church was self-sufficient. But Paul knew that there was more work to be done elsewhere. What I like about Paul is that he didn't allow himself to get comfortable in a good congregation, in a thriving church. He remembered what his mission was. He, he just wasn't content to be a spectator. He just wasn't content to be a, a, a consumer in the church. He knew that there was work to be done. Someone once said, you're either evangelizing or fossilizing. And I think that was going on in Paul's mind. He's like, listen, this is exciting. This is great. I'm glad to be here. But it's time to go. There's, there's work to be done. There's churches to be helped. There's cities to be reached. And he just could not be a spectator. We need that same sense of urgency in our day. How easy it is for us to just sit back and go, Boy, isn't this nice. Boy, that was a good service today. I, I really enjoyed that. Isn't this nice? Isn't it good to be in such a strong and thriving and growing church and kind of forget about the fact that Jesus said we are to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Paul had this sense of urgency, this call for the ministry. And we need people of God that would be stirred up and say, you know what, it's time for me to go again and witness again to my neighbor about Christ. Or speak again in my workplace about Christ. Go again and find new ways to reach people for Jesus Christ. But far too often, we're more comfortable and content to say, you know what, let 
them go, and I'll, I'll put the money in the box. Let so-and-so do that, and let the missionaries do that, and let the pastor do that, but I'm just going to enjoy what we have. There's that call to the ministry. And then there's this conflict between men. This conflict was inevitable because of the different personalities of Paul and Barnabas. Those two different personalities were with we're at odds with each other. Notice, first of all, Barnabas is the encourager. Right? Barnabas is the encourager. Barnabas had a bleeding heart. He loved people. He wanted to see people grow. He, he wanted to give people the benefit of the doubt. He wanted to help people come along. And John Mark was family to Barnabas. All right? So Barnabas loved John Mark already. He was family. He was related to him. And not only that, Barnabas was called by the church the son of consolation. He was just a good encourager. Uh, he would come alongside you and help you and encourage you and comfort you. And of course, he would think, hey, John Mark deserves another chance. You know, we need to give John Mark another chance. I understand that he let us down, and I, I realize that he went home as soon as it got tough. He, he left. I, I know that, but he needs another chance. How is he going to grow if we don't give him another shot? And Barnabas, you recall, had even come alongside Paul when the church was skeptical of him. Paul comes in, he's freshly saved. He had just, you know, a couple of days ago been on his way to arrest Christians. And he's saved and he comes into the church and they're understandably eh, not so sure about this guy. But Barnabas comes alongside and he takes Paul under his wing, and he vouches for Paul, and he helps Paul. He encourages Paul. It was Barnabas's nature to be convinced that they should bring John Mark along. But Paul, on the other hand, Barnabas the encourager, Paul the earnest. Paul the earnest. He was a man of urgency. He was a man of action. He... This same guy used words in the New Testament like striving together and pressing toward the mark and the love of Christ constraineth us. Paul was a man of action and urgency and he understood how vital and important the work was. And ministry was hard and dangerous. I mean, Paul had already been stoned and left for dead on their first missionary trip. He understood that ministry was hard, it was dangerous, it was demanding, but it was also extremely important. And in Paul's mind, there was just no room for a half-hearted, weak-kneed, unreliable man like John Mark on this missionary journey. You know, there's just we just don't have time. Barnabas, you know, I know, I know he's family, but man, we just cannot take that chance. We don't have time to be let down. We don't have time to see him turn his back again. There's too much at stake here. And Paul was convinced John Mark's not cut out for this. Listen, you know, Barnabas, let him stay here. Let him teach a Sunday school class. Let him help in the church. You know, but missionary work, he's just not cut out for that. No way. There's this disagreement between them. And then notice, there's a dissolution. <laughs> Do that again, Paul. I, I like when I said dissolution. Wow, well, you went. 
I liked that. I, that's far better communicator than I am. <laughs> Look at verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. Hey, this was not a small disagreement. Notice the squabble. The squabble here. The language here in our Bible suggests this was a heated discussion. Emotions were getting stirred up. Maybe tempers flared a little. Maybe things were said that were hurtful. They adamantly fought for what they were both completely convinced of. This was a strong, heated argument. And they could not reconcile this difference of opinion. Paul and Barnabas could not reconcile this difference between themselves. And so after this squabble comes separation. And thus, the very first missionary team parts ways. The Bible says that two cannot walk together unless they are agreed. And Paul and Barnabas could not walk together. They could not agree. And so Barnabas took John Mark and sailed off. You know, unfortunately, even among Christians and churches and missionaries, there are disagreements and conflict. And you know, in some ways, we need to realize that and not be surprised when it happens. Human beings will never agree on everything all the time. And churches and Christians are no different. There is going to be disagreement. There is going to be conflict. Even Barnabas and Paul, apostles, could not agree in this area. And hopefully, when those things happen, we're Christian in the way that we handle it, and biblical, but nevertheless, conflict is a part of life, and the church is not sheltered from that. But, God is sovereign. The squabble, the separation, notice the sovereignty of God here. It's interesting, where there had only been one missionary team, now we have two. God used this conflict to expand the work of the ministry. You know, if you did a study of church history, you will find that God used Christians of all backgrounds, at all types. Not one. Not one single church father, not one historical Christian had everything right. But God used them. He used them. The best of men are men at best, as the cliche goes. And yet, God uses even the worst of men to accomplish His purposes. Do not be discouraged when Christians don't agree. Or make no sense or have different opinions, God can still use Christians that don't agree. For example, here's a, uh, here's a great example I think of in Scripture. There's the man Ezra. Ezra was tasked with returning to Jerusalem to fix up the temple. And Ezra had talked so highly of his God, talked so highly of his faith in God and his dependence in God, that 
on this dangerous trip back to Jerusalem, Ezra refused the protection of the king's soldier, uh, soldiers. He said, no, no, king, we are not going to go under guard because Ezra believed, he was convinced in his own heart and mind that if he were to accept the protection of the king's guard, he would be doing damage to the testimony of God whom he had said will provide everything. He'll take care of us. He's almighty. He's in control. And so Ezra in his mind thought, well, then if I ask for help, Staying safe, that's going to diminish God in the king's eyes. All right, fast forward 13 years. Nehemiah made a very similar trip, also authorized by a pagan king. Nehemiah had no problem whatsoever taking the king's guard along. Nehemiah traveled under the protection of an army. Both men of God, both doing the will of God, but both differed in their opinions about the means of going about it. And God used them both. Had they traveled together, I wonder if Nehemiah and Ezra would have had an argument. <laughs> no, we need the king's guard. No, we don't. You know, if that was, that's, I wonder if they would have had a Barnabas and Paul moment had they traveled together. But I think that Ezra and Nehemiah are a great example about how men of God can differ in their opinions and their preferences and convictions and still be useful to the work of God. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about preferences and convictions and opinions. Both can even be right. You may not be able to work together with everyone, but you can definitely respect everyone who preaches the Word of God, who stands strong on the doctrines of Scripture, even if they do it differently than you might. We, I think, many times as Christians have this tendency to be super critical and quick to separate and say, no, 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 if you're not doing it exactly the way we are doing it, then you must be wrong in some way. And the fact of the matter is, opinions differ. Personalities differ. And as Jesus said, if they're not against us, they're for us. And God can use people with differences of opinion. I like what a, a, an older pastor, actually it was Pastor Ouellette, R.B. Ouellette that we've had here before said. He said, you can always separate later. And I think oftentimes we're too quick to totally write off a church or a movement or a group just because we differ in opinion. These two men, they couldn't agree, so they dissolved their relationship. And then we see in verse four, or verses 40 through verse 1, the departure. The departure. Paul chose Silas, it says, and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, a son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So they're separated by this disagreement, and these two missionaries depart in different directions. Barnabas goes to Cyprus. He goes to Cyprus. Barnabas takes John Mark, and he heads back home, the place where he grew up, the island of Cyprus. This is the last time we find Barnabas in the book of Acts. 
You don't hear about them anymore after this. We'll follow Paul now for the rest of the way. Tradition, however, says that Barnabas had a long and successful ministry on the island of Cyprus, but we, of course, that's just historical accounts and traditions. We don't know for sure. It's the last time we'll see Barnabas in the book of Acts. But I put on a map there that, that Ben has for us. Barnabas heads kind of southwest to Cyprus there. And he, according to tradition, spends many years there ministering on that island, nation of Cyprus. Then we see Paul choosing Silas. Choosing Silas. Paul needed a replacement for Barnabas, so he chooses Silas. Silas, as you recall, had come with them uh, from Jerusalem. He was part of that delegation, a representative of the church there at Jerusalem. He was also a Roman citizen, which we'll find out later. And Silas had jumped right into the ministry in Antioch. He was preaching and teaching there. He was working in the church. And so Paul chooses Silas to accompany him on his second missionary journey. And Paul travels to Cilicia. To Cilicia. Paul and Silas here, it says, receive the blessing, the recommendation, the confirmation of the church. It kind of seems like Barnabas left without it. Just kind of took off without getting the confirmation of the church. And some even believe that the church took Paul's side. But but we don't know for sure. But Paul and Silas go with the blessing of the church in Antioch. They go with missionary support, if you will, like they did the first missionary journey. And Paul heads back the way that they had come, going in reverse order by land to the churches. So there's a second map here, which you probably have in the back of your Bible if you have a Bible with maps. But on Paul's second missionary journey, he goes backwards from his first missionary journey. On their first missionary journey, they started in Cyprus, then they sailed from Cyprus up into uh, Cilicia area and all of that. But this time, they go by land and go uh, northward through the cities, ministering to churches along the way, coming across them in reverse order. And they went along confirming the churches, is what the Bible says. He went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. They went city by city, confirming or strengthening these churches. They edified these churches. They built up these churches. Every single church they came across, when they left, that church was stronger than when they had arrived. We could, you know, it would do us some good to remember that our role in the church is to build each other up and to strengthen the church and to be at work building up the body of Christ. And all of us are members in particular and have a particular role to play. And is this church stronger because you're here? Every church they went through, they left stronger than when they found it. They made their departure there, and then we see this disciple that they encounter in verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. We find Paul here meeting Timothy. Meeting Timothy. Now, Paul had met Timothy before. 
Many believe if you read uh, the letters to Timothy and the way that Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith, many believe that Paul had led Timothy to the Lord on that first missionary journey. But that was a long time ago. And now Timothy was a grown man. And when Paul met him, he met him as it were for the first time. He was a grown man in the church. Timothy's father was a Gentile, but his mother was a Jew. And Timothy's mother and grandmother had raised him in the Scriptures. He knew the Scriptures because of his mother and his grandmother. Apparently, after Paul had led Timothy to the Lord, this young man became quite a Christian there in those churches. Because notice the ministry of Timothy. It says in verse 2 that he was well reported of by the brethren which were at Lystra and Iconium. Before Timothy ever became a part of Paul's missionary team, he already had a ministry. He already had a reputation in the area that he was in, in the surrounding cities. The Christians knew who Timothy was. They thought highly of him. And this is just another example in the book of Acts how God calls those who are busily serving him where they are. There's no lightning moment where all of a sudden, bam, I'm a missionary. Timothy was busily serving in his churches, in the surrounding towns, and the Christians knew who he was and thought very highly of him. He had a ministry already when Paul shows up, and Paul ordains Timothy to the ministry and takes him along on this missionary journey. Timothy is just another example from Scripture of a man who was busily working when God called him to a missionary ministry. And then notice the matter of testimony here. You kind of scratch your head in verse 3. It says in verse 3, Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Well, wait a minute. I thought we just dealt with this. Why in the world did Paul have Timothy circumcised if they just went through all of this nonsense saying that circumcision was not necessary for the Gentiles? What's going on? Well, remember, Timothy is half Jew. His father is a Gentile, his mother is a Jew, and when Paul finds Timothy, he's neither Gentile nor Jew. He's not full Jew, he's not, he's not been proselytized, he's, he's not circumcised, he's not full Jew, and he's, he's not really full Gentile either, he's somewhere in the middle. He's neither Gentile nor Jew. And here's what I think is going on here. We've already noticed in the book of Acts, it's no big deal for a Jewish missionary to win Gentiles to the Lord. Paul and Barnabas have been doing it for years. It, they had no problem giving the gospel to the Gentiles as Jews. Right? However, it was a big deal for a Gentile to reach the Jews. Paul always started in every city in the synagogues. He and Barnabas would go into the synagogues and preach the gospel. And Paul always started there. And if Timothy was to have an effective testimony and witness among the lost Jews, it's better for him to be a Jew than a Gentile. And so Timothy consented, he was willing to be circumcised in order to give him an opportunity to reach the unsaved Jews. This was not a matter of preventing conflict in the church. 
It was a matter of preventing conflict with the lost. That's what Paul is doing. He's preventing conflict with the lost Jews that Timothy would not be a stumbling block when they reached out to the Jews with the Gospel. It reminds me of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law. Being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Timothy was not circumcised because it was essential for salvation. Timothy was circumcised so that he could have an effective gospel witness among the Jews. And there are certain sacrifices worthy of making in order to reach the world for Christ. There are certain things that we can go without or we can set aside so that we can be more effective in reaching the lost. And I I wonder what you and I would be willing to do in order to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy was willing to be circumcised as a grown man. He set that aside. He took that on willingly, not because it was essential for salvation but so that he could have a more effective gospel witness among the Jews. Notice this disciple Timothy, the departure that they made, and then we find the delivering here in verses 4-5. through As they went through the cities, verse 4, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. We find them comforting the Gentiles. Comforting the Gentiles. Here we see again why Paul needed to go back to the mission field. These churches needed to hear what the church in Jerusalem had said. They had been harassed by false teachers. They had been harassed by these false teachers convincing them that being Jewish was necessary for all Christians and that unless they did these things, they weren't really saved. But Paul and Silas together delivered copies of the letter from Jerusalem that said, no, salvation is truly by grace through faith. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to follow the law. There were some moral recommendations that were made there. Here's some things that we think you ought to do. But as far as salvation goes, you are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And these churches were comforted by that letter. They were established in the faith. That word established is a very interesting word. It means made strong. But it's the same word that was used when the lame man was healed in the temple. Acts 3, verse 7. Peter took the man by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. They were established. They were made strong. What this missionary team was doing and going city by city, church by church, delivering this message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, they were taking these poor churches which had been crippled by false teaching and lifting them up and giving them the strength of pure doctrine. They were able to stand again 
on the truth of God's Word. They comforted the Gentiles. They fixed what had been broken, and they strengthened them. And we see now continued growth in the churches. Continued growth. It says in verse 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Strong churches, healthy churches, scriptural churches are soul-winning churches. Christians were added to the church daily, it says. People were getting saved. God was giving fruit. He was blessing these churches. When God's people contribute to the growth of the church and strengthen the church and are willing, are willing to set aside self in order to reach someone with the gospel, people get saved. And the church grows and is strengthened and edified. What are you doing to contribute to the growth of this church? I, I think all of us could take a lesson from Paul. You know, it's time to go again. There's still people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been listening to the news and watching social media and all that. And whatever your opinion is of the last several months, there seems to be a renewed interest in the things of God. And I think we can go two ways with that. I think we can go the way of criticism and say, well, I'll tell you all the reasons why that's not real. I'll tell you all the reasons why that's not okay and all the things that they're doing wrong and all the ways that we differ from that and be like the Jews stirred up to envy because something's going on somewhere else. Or we could be like Paul. Say, you know what? Maybe it's time for us to go again. Maybe it's time to share the gospel again. I can't explain what's happening. I, I can't begin to understand what God might be doing in this country, but maybe it's time for us to go again and to get stirred up and excited that maybe things aren't as hopeless as we thought and maybe people might just listen to the gospel if we would just be willing to go.